Hi, this is Anna. Welcome to ReaderPod Podcast. Hi there. Today I'm talking with Cassie Hamer and I'm super pumped for it. I loved Cassie Hamer's books. After the party completely caught me off guard and the end of Cuthbert Close was so fantastic. I love the way she does female relationships and the way that she seems to be concerned with mothering today. I love Cassie Hamer books and I'm so looking forward to today. <laughs> Thank you very much. So tell me about the end of Cuthbert Close. Okay. But it's your elevated pitch for it. Okay, so The End of Cuthbert Close is about a really idyllic suburban street called Cuthbert Close. Mm -hmm. And into this idyllic street moves a new family led by the mother of the house, Charlie Devine, who's a really glamorous woman married to an online lifestyle guru called Brian Devine. And Charlie really sets the hat amongst the pigeons in Cuthbert Close. Mm-hmm. There's three women who we meet in the first scene, um, Alex, Beth and Cara, and they're neighbours and they're really great mates. And each of them has a bit of a challenge going on in their lives and it just seems that those challenge, challenges mount insurmountably when this new woman, Charlie Devine, comes into the street and there's some suspicion that maybe Charlie is sort of wrecking their lives but they're not quite sure. So that's essentially the story of Cuthbert Close. I particularly love the relationship between the three, between I just think you did such a good job at female friendships and the, the fact that they can transcend all of the age and all of the different types of mums that you can have. Oh, done a fantastic job at it yeah well that is my experience of female friendship has always been tremendously positive i really hate that stereotype that women in a group can't get along because it really doesn't no it doesn't ring true for me i mean of course there are people in life who you don't necessarily hit it off with and that's that's to be expected but in general i gain so much um, strength and enjoyment and there's something about a female friendship that I just don't get from the men in my life I don't know what it is I just love the way that women can go from talking about global affairs and Donald Trump or you know Boris Johnson right. and then the next minute and <laughs> And then the next minute we're talking about the Kardashians or, you know, whatever latest celebrity is making headlines. And so I think women have Lovely, isn't broad it? interests and, and we're not afraid to talk about how we feel and what we think. And I've always felt very comfortable working with other women and I went to an all-girls school and now I've ended up with three daughters. and. Even the emotional complexity of women is something I really enjoy and find really interesting and I love to explore that. And uh, so the women in the book are very different, as you mentioned. So Cara is a single mum. Uh, her husband has died some years previous and she's raising uh, her very cute little daughter, yeah. Poppy, all by herself. Yeah. yeah, but she has very close parents, so she's of Korean background and so... She has some family pressures, I suppose, that are exerted on her because of that slight cultural sort of influence from her Mm -hmm. Korean background. And then there's Beth, who's a bit older than, well, quite a bit older than Kara, and she's the stay-at-home mum of teenage kids. And she's finding herself 
to be one of a dying breed of stay-at-home mothers because the fact is that most women these days do provide some financial contribution to the family. Mm-hmm. But Beth has been devoted to her kids and but her kids are getting to that point where they don't really need her anymore and she's also experiencing an increasing distance between her and her husband Max who's a really charming real estate agent and she it has some suspicions that something's going on between Max and Charlie. So um, her life is really at a crossroads as to whether her 20-year marriage continues and what's the rest of her life going to look like when her kids don't need her as much. And then there's um, Alex, who's a corporate lawyer, a bit of a hot mess sometimes, like excels in the workplace, but a bit of a dud on the domestic front, No, no domestic goddess, and she's managed to have twins through IVF and fertility has been battle and now she's finding that motherhood is just this impossible juggle between her work life as a corporate lawyer and her home life as a mum to some very demanding little boy twins who are in first but their second year of uh, primary school and so she's sort of constantly feeling like she's failing on both counts and I guess she's the character that I think in some ways so many women have related to and it's something that I go through all the time myself as well as that constantly feeling that you're not quite good enough as a mum and that you're not quite good enough at your job because you can never really devote yourself to either and this concept of work-life balance seems like it's just another load to bear because none of us can really get it quite in balance. I think mm. it's it's really a furphy. Yeah, well, I thought your book did a fantastic job of exploring that. I think um, she tries so hard, and when she gets the the promotion offer, and she just she can see her struggling so well. It was a perfect depiction of that. Not mm, I think um, you know the systems aren't set up to really support women in the best way, to be great mums, but also to be great contributors Mm. in the workplace. And there's so much focus on the ways in which women need to change themselves to fit this sort of stereotypical ideal, which probably doesn't even exist anyway. But it's all about, you know, how do we provide childcare to get women back in the workforce or how do we provide flexible work arrangements for women or or how do we for instance pay for egg freezing so that women can keep working for longer which is something that Alex really confronts but I mean my question is why is it always women that are the focus of change why aren't we looking more at um, men and how men can make more of a contribution perhaps on the domestic front. One of the fascinating aspects of this pandemic has been the way in which men, I think, have had to see just what does go on uh, in terms of the workload for women on the domestic front because I think a lot of dads are working from home. And I know I'm talking a lot about mums and dads, but I'm sure these dynamics exist in same-sex relationships to a degree as well. It's about the breadwinner. Absolutely. And I think recently we've had lots of breadwinners having to stay at home and this invisible load of domestic labour is now visible because they're there, you know, the breadwinners are there, they're seeing it, they're seeing how hard it is. I felt incredibly guilty about stepping back from my role as domestic controller. Um, 
but that's my problem. That's something I have to deal with and just get over myself because guilt is such a wasted emotion and yet it's probably the touch point for so many women and I'd love to know exactly why it is. I think we're sort of biologically programmed to experience guilt so that we respond to our children and we provide for their needs. And oh, Guilt is ridiculous, isn't it? It's so unproductive. Yeah, it's really unproductive. Um, I mean, I think it's useful in a sense because, as I said, I think it does force us to respond and it's sort of sometimes it's a conscience, but I think it, it can easily overwhelm us and become out of whack over things that you cannot control. Yeah. That's when it really is a waste of time. Absolutely. Now, you released your book at the start of the pandemic. So everything just moved online and all of the promotion. Is it still going well? I think it is. Yeah, online support has been amazing. And I've just been overwhelmed by the way that the writing and reading community has really rallied around authors who are in my situation. Yeah, it's the nicest corner of the internet. I feel I can get back out there and meet readers face-to-face because as good as online is... It really is sort of no substitute for being in a room with other people, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think we're handling it as well as possible, but it'd be so nice to Mm. get normal with that. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, in your business, there's something really special about the community that you have. And you provide so much more than a business. It's, it's, It's a community service. It's a community function. And I've had so, you know, those lovely Sunday afternoons that I've had in your cafe where... It's just been packed to the rafters, you know? I love that. I love that. It's yeah, just not often happen for authors. There's something very special about what you've created there and the fact that this epidemic has sort of taken it away from us. Um, that would be so exciting. It'll be wonderful. I think that's... I'm really going to appreciate yeah. those sorts of face-to-face contacts, I think, in a way that... I've probably took for granted absolutely I only wanted bigger and more and now I just think like the personal is just paramount it's so much nicer yeah I think yeah there really is something special about um, being able to see someone's reactions Mm. and their body language and being able to touch someone is absolutely oh my goodness I just I don't, I don't think I could have lived through this without the cuddles and kisses from my little girls, honestly. Because whenever I'm feeling slightly bad, I either hug them or I hug the dog. The dog's probably sick of me, but <laughs> bad luck. She can't talk back, so <laughs> she gets what she gets. <laughs> Absolutely. And so where to from here? You'll continue to promote this book um, and you've got one that's in the editing stage at the moment. And yeah, I've yeah drafted one. It's um, been given to my publisher and that's a little bit more based on my experiences of working in the media. When I was in my 20s, I worked for nearly a decade in television journalism. I've got a few oh, juicy yeah. anecdotes to I share about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I think it. Uh, I mean, again, it's still it's still about women and relationships. And in this book, there's a a grandma, a mum, and a daughter. So it's a multi generational story of these three women and the various challenges that they face. But two of the women are very much involved in the media and 
and so I'm going to explore some of the issues around ageism and sexism, but in a totally fun, you know, oh, your fun way. Fun. It's not a textbook. <laughs> so I found that with After the Party, like when you went to tell somebody what it was about, it sounded so serious and so horrifying, but it was really fun. Yeah, oh, look, it's about a child who's abandoned at a party, but it's really fun. <laughs> they say, yeah, right, sure. Sounds like a shocker. Um, yeah, it can be hard to convey, honestly, explaining concepts and premises. You sound like you're just totally nuts sometimes, but um, it's all about the execution on the page. And um, I mean, whenever I choose a book, I always have to read the first couple of pages just to get a sense of the tone and the writing style. I don't know. How do you, I mean, do, yeah, do you I read the first books in that way? Yeah, I don't read the blurbs on the back anymore because so often they give away all of the story and it... It hurts. So, yeah, first couple of paragraphs, first couple of pages, and then I'd make a decision. Yeah, I agree. I think blurbs are, blurbs are interesting. They can tease you and sort of make you pick it up. But, yeah, I've got to that point now where I know that I just have to at least read a couple of pages. You can talk so much more. Go on with it. A couple of pages. Like, it's only a couple of pages versus... That's it. Yeah. yeah. Are you reading anything at the moment? Yes, I have just started a book um, called Maggie's Going Nowhere. Anyway, I'm only a few pages in, but Maggie is a total hot mess. She's just lurching from one crisis to another in her life. But I really, um, it sort of feels like it's in the Bridget Jones sort of genre, but that's just what I'm needing at the moment. I just can't handle anything that's tricky or sad or... I did read Shearwater, actually. Have you read Shearwater? I read Shearwater, yes. Oh, man. That was, oh. that was really good. That was breaking my rule of not reading anything traumatic. That was traumatic. But it was worth the trauma. You know, some pains are worth oh, experiencing. I don't know what it was about it because you should feel so traumatised by it, but it was just so mm. beautifully written, wasn't it? And yeah, it was magic. It was really magic. She has... Leah Swan is the author and she has incredible writing talent. But the other great thing about it is that there's a genuine plot there. And it's, mm. So it's about this woman who essentially takes off with her two kids to get away from a toxic relationship. And so there is a real narrative drive there. You're constantly wondering what's going to happen to this woman and what's going to happen to her two, two children. And so while it is written in a literary style, this has this constant driving plot that gets you. It's so short, the time frame that we're talking about. I think it's just over the weekend, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's very intense. It's very intensely written. It's not a difficult... I think I actually didn't... I listened to it in audio and um, I couldn't get through it fast enough, honestly. I had to speed up. (laughs) So I was listening to it on the end at a speed of one and a half or one and... 1.4 1.4 times the normal speed and I'm thinking oh can I really do this for the book I've read it in the traditional way but I had to go back and read that last last part because it was just so beautiful so it's uh-huh. so beautiful and I had been pre-warned about the ending so yeah. I I had my emotional forces summoned um, but I think people do need to be aware that it's one of those ones. You oh, it could completely should come with a trigger warning. Like it, it could be so yeah. 
traumatic, but I just, yeah, I love it. Was it was worth it. It's worth it. Yeah. As I say, some traumas are worth it. You know, cause just a chance to step into someone else's shoes. Oh. Um, I want to understand because I know that it's something that so women, so many women do go through is such a prevalent, you know, issue in our society. So fiction's amazing like that. It does allow you to expand your horizons and experience these things in a really visceral way that sometimes statistics and news I know just did a fantastic job. Of yeah, that. she did. So yeah, so I've you know lurched from one totally serious, difficult um, situation book to this Maggie's going nowhere, which seems like it's going to be a total romp. So yeah, I'm up for that. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a good way to do it. One serious, one fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all about balance, right? Oh no, my absolute pleasure. Thank you. So nice to talk. Thank you. Okay. Thank See you, you Anna. Okay, so thanks for listening. Please rate, review and subscribe. See you next time on Read a Pod Podcasts.